Bullshit. Um, anything to report? Oh, God, just that last time Franklin made it in. <laughs> this time... This time the other one's in here. We had... Ever since we've lived here, I've been saying that it would make more sense if the cats would just rush me. <laughs> if they would just overpower me and run in my room. But instead, they would normally just peer in and like try to sneak. They were very polite. Yeah. It. And that, that, that all changed yesterday. <laughs> and now they're both just running in as fast as they can. And uh, so this is the second day in a row that chicken's just been sleeping under my bed, I guess. I wish she would at least... Which sucks for your allergies. Yeah. At least if they're going to be in here bothering my allergies, I want them to be... You want to be getting the most so out of So I can of the pet situation. them or whatever. Like, truly right now, there's no benefit. Yeah, she could be sitting under my bed. Yeah. This is so rude of her. If you're going to be in here, you're going to get pet. And them's the rules. <laughs> I'm thinking about sometime in the future getting a bed where they can't go under it. Like one of the ones that just goes all the way to the floor. I think they would feel really betrayed. Yeah, that's a dark day for but them. I just can't have them fucking around under my bed while I'm trying to sleep. I hate it. All right, losers. Uh, this episode titled Ellipses and Found. Do you get it? Do you get it? Directed by Stephen Williams, premiered on October 19th, 2005. On Monday, October 17th, The Colbert Report first airs on US TV. Wow! Yeah. Um, Wednesday, October 19th, Hurricane Wilma becomes the most intense Atlantic hurricane ever. <laughs> um, and Katrina is number seven on the list of like intense hurricanes. Uh, Rita is number four, and all three of those were from 2005. Do you remember that that year was, like, yeah. insanely heavy in um, hurricanes? Even though Wilma was, like, considered, like, way deadlier in the sense of its, like, actual, the actual power behind the storm, um, only 87 people died because of, <laughs> only 87, <laughs> um, because of Hurricane Wilma, and 1,833 people died from Katrina. The difference was just because the levees were so fucked up. Oh. Like, Katrina was considered, like, yeah, like, not the not the craziest storm, but, like, it was the costliest natural, natural disaster in U.S. history. So, yeah, that's fucked up. Also, Wednesday, October 19th, was the first day of Saddam Hussein's trial. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all of the history and pop culture shit that I've got. Um, do you want to guess this movie? Mm-hmm. Space Marines are sent to investigate strange events at a research facility on Mars, but find themselves at the mercy of genetically enhanced killing machines. Barf. <laughs> Who's in it? Um, Rosamund Pike, Carl Urban, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. A, the it's Rock? based on a video game space movie from 2005 um god i don't know what video games are from space like dune oh <laughs> change that... one letter doom you got it <laughs> we actually have talked about doom on the podcast before because that was 
the game that Saeed's friends were playing. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Oh, they totally went to see this movie. Um, guess what? what? Fun fact about this movie, absolutely nothing fun about this movie happened. The only thing that I found even remotely fun <laughs> is that uh, Rosamund Pike turned down the role of Rita Skeeter in Harry Potter to be in this movie. Isn't she a lot younger? Yeah. That is that would be kind of weird casting. I thought Rita Skeeter was supposed to be like the age of the woman in the movie. Although I suppose was there anything that she can be whatever, I guess. Yeah, I guess not. I guess it didn't say. But yeah, probably <laughs> Damn it. Oh my god, I would kill to play Rita Skeeter. I know, she's the best. Those costumes. Um, what do you think was the top song that week? I was thinking what about Waiting on the World to Change? <laughs> A classic. Close. Again, again, again! That's it. <laughs> oh, it's still me. I have the recap. Do you have anything before we go in? No. All right. Friends, we open on some sad music playing while Sun and Claire do laundry at the beach. I'm that, recognizing the music now. Like, I recognize that song. That's but it, it wasn't much... the sad song. It was just yeah. a sad song. But we've definitely is. heard that before. And I was like, damn. Can they hear that? Ooh, I wonder. It sounds like it's in our apartment. Yeah. Um... Also, I had a question. If you wash your clothes in salt water, do you just have salty clothes? Like, why are they not doing it at the caves? I feel like they would be stiff. Yeah. Why are they doing that shit? The caves are canceled. I already told you. (laughs) Um, We learned that it's been four days since the raft left. And Sun is worried. Um, Which, we know that she's worried about the bottle turning up. But the the way that that conversation went, even though Claire knows that the bottle showed up, she was like, it's only been four days. I feel like they should have been having her talk to someone who didn't know that the bottle washed up. Yeah, that's true. Um, while Claire was reassuring her that they're probably okay, Sun realizes that she lost her wedding ring. Bitch. Flashback, Sun is getting dressed in her fancy, fancy clothes. Her mom comes in and helps her get ready. We learn that she's ready. She's getting ready to go see a matchmaker. Um, her mom said that she's turning silver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she needs to find a husband before she goes bronze. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Women are rotting. <laughs> Constantly. Um... We learn that her father is the one who's insisting that she finds a husband. We see Jin in his flashback. His life is vastly different. He lives with a roommate. He's talking with him um, about how, when he's going to find love. It's shaping up to be another rom-com. This episode just was a rom-com. In the flashbacks, at least. (laughs) No, you know what? In no, every facet actually, of this episode. <laughs> actually, kind of. There's a lot of flirting on island, too. Yeah. Um, 
His roommate is assuring him that he will find love. Love will find him. They're talking about a book that's supposed to help. That part went totally over my head. Yeah, what's this Korean love book that I don't know. tells you what is to look for? 129 Ways to Find a Husband? Korean McCall's Korean? magazine. <laughs> um, then out of nowhere, his friend says, orange. Love will look orange. I think it was in the book. I oh. think it was some sort of like... Um, astrology thing or i don't really know i don't know why the 129 ways (laughs) wearing orange yeah jin says it doesn't matter anyway i can't take care of a woman i can barely take care of myself we see more of the shame that he has around being the son of a fisherman he's getting ready for a job interview which he says is very important he's leaving the tag on his tie so he can return it they do nothing about it like the roommate immediately sees the tag And then they don't, I mean, like, tape it down, safety pin it, keep your jacket closed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're both just like, oh, well, (laughs) hope for the best. Um, where am I? Present day Jin is sitting with Sawyer and Michael while the others are silently deliberating. They're literally just mouthing to each other. (laughs) It looks like the background of a high school theater scene. Um, Michael assures him that they'll be with Sun soon. Sawyer thinks that the others are planning to eat them, which jury's still out on that one. Mm-hmm. Ana Lucia tells them that they're going to help them get food and water and they're going to walk them back to where the other half of the plane is. So we're getting a reunion very soon. Ooh, I smell it. Um, in the jungle, Sawyer suggests to Michael that they try to flee. Ana Lucia emphasizes the importance of staying quiet and Michael is confused why. So... Clearly, these people got their shit rocked by these other others, yeah. um, and they are living in constant fear. We're gonna go scout before we move. Cindy, go with him. Libby, see what fruit you can gather. Take him with you. His name is Michael. Yeah, right, Michael. Jin joins Ana Lucia and Bernard. <laughs> they they go fishing. Um, On the beach, Sun is searching frantically through her stuff for her wedding ring. She tells Jack, who says that he lost his wedding ring once. He looked everywhere, but ended up going to a jeweler and having a replica made. And Sarah never knew. Surgeons are rich, so they can just afford new gold rings when they lose one. (laughs) Um, And then he said, now it's just rattling around in my sock drawer at home. And then he like, he just totally overdoes it with like the... Like, I'm divorced. Like, fucking, we get it. You oh don't. Oh my god, I want to see Jack Shepard's home so badly. <laughs> Show me that sock drawer. Um. Meanwhile, Jin is fucking killing it at the other beach and oh, catches yeah. a those shit ton of fish. Um. Flashback to the job interview. We learn he's worked as a busboy and then was promoted internally to a waiter, which apparently doesn't happen. Um, he tells the man that he's from the village of Namhai uh, on the south coast. And the man says, I knew I smelled fish on you. And then yeah. rips the tag off of his tie. Then gives him the job. Don't ask for a raise or time off, he says. Um, so really, he just is spotting that he can exploit this man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows that Jin would be lucky to have this job. Yeah. So he will have a good worker in him. And he's working as a doorman at a hotel. Cut to the present. Libby and Michael 
are walking through the jungle. She apologizes for throwing him in the ditch um, and says that they have trust issues. (laughs) Um, They clearly have had a harder time than our other heroes. He suggests that they go inland to find more fruit. And Libby says, we don't go that way. That's where they come from. Mm -hmm. So that gives Michael an idea. Um, We learn that Shaft's name is Mr. Echo. He gives Sawyer a knife. Is that actually his name or did Sawyer misunderstand and the guy was like, yes. I think that, I think, well, the subtitles had it like Mr. Echo as like one word. Okay. But that's something to Google because I'm pretty sure he goes by Mr. Echo. But he gave Sawyer a look like, you know what? Yeah, 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 sure. That's what you call me. (laughs) But he probably has gotten that a lot from... God, other... I really want to know what his name is. Um, it's Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Libby returns and says that Michael ran off. So apparently he, he said others and then took off that way. Jin says that he must be looking for Walt. Um, so Jin wants to go find him. The rest of the gang wants to move on without him. Um... Weird thing kind of happens here. Jin tries to leave, and then when Mr. Echo tries to stop him, he punches him in the face. (laughs) Then Mr. Echo punches him back in the face, and then hands him a spear and points him in the right direction, and then says that he's going with him. This is the new duo. Yeah, I don't know uh, what's going on, but I I like this guy. Um, Has anyone... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's weird because it's like, he was agreeing with him, like, he is gonna go help him, but yet he did want to still be like, no, my dick is bigger than yours. Like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) What were you gonna say? I was just wondering if anyone has cleaned Sawyer's bullet wound, or is it just festering? I think it's just festering. There's not a doctor among them. (laughs) These people... Okay, you don't have to be a doctor to know that you need to clean it, though. (laughs) Look, I'm no doctor. Put a bandage on it? Like... (laughs) A band-aid? Does anyone have a band-aid from plane? <laughs> um, where am I? Okay, on the beach, Hurley is walking with Sun. Um, he figures out that she must have accidentally fed her wedding ring to Vincent. So, cut to them sitting next to Vincent, waiting for him to shit. <laughs> this is such a Hurley plotline. Yep. Oh. Kill me. Um, Hurley asks if Sol is in the good Korea or the bad Korea. <laughs> Sun says good. Then he asks, did you go to the Olympics? (laughs) Um, He tells a story about how his childhood dog Buster ate a bunch of change um, and then crapped out, like, what, a buck 25 or something in nickels. Um, Son tells him about her puppy, which we learn his name is Bopo, which means a kiss. Very cute. Uh, Flashback to Son and her mom arriving at the matchmakers, and guess where it is? At the very same hotel where Jin is working. Um, Shut up. Inside, she's meeting with the matchmaker and a suitor. When they're alone, the man levels with her about their family pressures to get married. He seems genuinely interested in getting to know her. Um, We learn that Sun studied art history. He studied medieval Russian literature at Harvard. That's hot. (laughs) Yeah, right? Um, But ended up in hotel management because that's his family's hotel uh, his family's business he essentially tells her you're not like other girls (laughs) 
There's an orange flower on Jin's uniform, and I think they're drinking orange juice in this scene. Ooh, very orange. (laughs) Cut to Mr. Echo and Jin looking for Michael. They hear a rustling sound, which leads them to a boar. We get to see someone else get knocked over by a boar. Mm -hmm. So Jin falls ass over tea kettle, and when he gets up, he sees a man skewered, and he's being picked apart by flies. Mr. Echo appears and tells him that his name was Goodwin and that he was killed by the others. Oh, I couldn't understand his name. (laughs) He said it like, he said it the way they say their names on Whiskers Are We on SNL. So come on down for our Thanksgiving Catacopio giveaway here at Whiskers Are We. Hi, I'm Barbara DeDrew. (laughs) I truly thought he said (laughs) DeDrew. They find some aloe, I guess, or or some other kind of plant for Jin's cut. Mr. Echo asks him about his wife. And, that, I mean, the conversation's kind of limited. Um, But we cut to the old gal herself. She's looking through her garden for her ring. She starts ripping up her plants and screaming and crying. Um, and then in comes John Locke. He gives her a recycled snot rag to dry her eyes with. <laughs> he says he wishes that he had a garden to tear apart. He says that he used to get angry all the time, but he's not lost anymore. Take to camera. He's not lost. He says anything that's lost gets found when you stop looking for it. So, flashback to Sun in a hotel restaurant. She's sitting by herself. Mr. Lee drives up to the entrance in his super cool car. Uh, Jin goes out to greet him. And Mr. Lee asks if he can wear the flower that Jin has on his lapel. He says he's got a hot date. So, uh, Jin gives it to him. And he looks so pleased with himself after he does. (laughs) Um, We see the date. It's going great. This guy is telling a humanizing story about how he got caught in the hotel hallway with only a towel on. Um, (laughs) And he says he wants to go steady with her, basically. Um, Which Sun takes to mean, like, oh, we're, like, continuing our courtship. No. Turns out when he was at Harvard, he fell in love with an American woman. And in six months, he's going to move there to marry her. Um, and she's, like, visibly disappointed by this. And he was like, oh, oh, wait, no, you didn't, you thought that, oh, no. And she's humiliated. Can you imagine? That's so embarrassing. Um, back to present, Jin and Mr. Echo find fresh tracks that they take to be Michael's. No, not that way. Over here. And Mr. Echo says the others don't leave tracks. Terrifying. Um, Again, these people have been fucked up by these people. Um, Further on, Mr. Echo shushes Jin and the two of them hide in the bushes. Then they see a line of barefoot people go by. Too dirty. Too dirty to be good news. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them... Is very tiny and has a teddy bear on a string. Yucky. Yeah, friend didn't like that either. Um, in the flashback, a poor person and his poor kid try to get into the hotel to use the bathroom. <laughs> Jin lets them in, and his boss comes out and gives him a stern warning. He tells them to go. He tells him to go in and find them and kick them out. 
So our boy quits on the spot. Yet another episode where Jin cares about kids on island and in yeah, flashback. that's true. He's the one that's like concerned. Kate comes up to Sun on the beach and they watch the water for a while. Sun has made peace with losing the ring and we learn this whole time she's not upset about the ring. It was never about the ring. <laughs> It's because Claire found that bottle and she presumes Jin to be dead. So she tells Kate about the bottle and tells her that she buried it. In the jungle, Sawyer has to sit down, because, probably because of his fucking bullet wound <laughs> that no one has treated. It's been, I mean, it's been four days since they left, so... We're all just pretending that it, that didn't happen. Yeah, it's been like two or three days since he got shot. <laughs> Anna Lucia gives him water um, but says they're going to leave him behind Sawyer says you can't find my people without me he asks if she's married how many times in one episode can we discuss who is and isn't married this is like the third instance oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. a lot of that he tells her that she seems suited for it and she asks if he's gay <laughs> Sawyer the way that she delivered that, that. <laughs> you gay <laughs> We love 2005. Um, Jin and Mr. Echo find a pleasant stream. Mr. Echo is going to go back and find Michael's trail because they lost it. But then out of nowhere, Michael appears and tells Jin to go back. Jin rushes after him. Michael is insisting all the while on finding Walt. Um, and at this point, he's baiting the others. He's shouting and saying, take me. Um, uh, Mr. Echo finds them. He tells Michael he doesn't that he doesn't know what these people are capable of. Um, and basically, like, they agree that if Michael goes back with them, that they will do their damnedest to find Walt, I guess. I think that's what happened in that scene. Because I was unclear at the end of that scene if Michael was even going with them. Sun and Kate dig up the bottle. Kate opens it and starts looking through all the private letters um, because she's hoping that Sawyer wrote her a note because she chose not to say goodbye. Wait, I did not. She was looking for a note to her. I, I didn't so. realize that. Why because would he she, do that? I don't know. Why would he put it in the bottle? I mean, I have no fucking idea. Um, but she clearly feels regret about not saying goodbye to Sawyer. And then they find her uh, her wedding ring. It's buried with the bottle, and then Sun cries and cries. In the jungle, Mr. Echo, Jin, and Michael are making their way back to the group. We see a flashback. Jin has just quit his job. He sees more poor people. Um, and then he sees a woman in an orange dress, and before Ooh. he can say hachimachi, Sun bumps into him and drops her bag. The two make eye contact, and boy, oh boy. Then we cut to the present. We close on a beautiful sunset. This is just as much of a rom-com episode as Jack and Sarah. Did you gag? No. It seemed less so than that. Well, I don't know. Okay. You had the roommate being like, you're going to find yeah, love okay, no, today. That was, and then they bumped into was, each other. That's their meet cute. <laughs> and she just got rejected. But it wasn't that day. Because, like, he had been working at the... <laughs> Although I guess he did he must he must have seen Sun 
before that. Yeah. No, because he was bowing every single time she walked by. Yeah, okay, true. Classic rom-com. They just keep missing each other. They come from different classes. I mean, you can't... There's... (laughs) Is that it? Yeah, that's it. That's the whole episode. All right. Why does Michael always accumulate an empathetic female ally? Yeah. Like that scene where they're just walking and then they said something about him and Libby was like, Michael, his name's Michael. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on there? And uh, just, I just wrote that um, son's cool as fuck because she studied art history. Like she just keeps getting cooler. Of course she studied art history. She's so money. She's so money. That's a rich person job. Yeah, because you don't need it to support you. <laughs> you just do your passion. <laughs> Caroline. Hmm. No. What? Not now. <laughs> Why bring it up? Do you know who you want to vote off? Yeah. One, three, two, two three, one. Jaylee's mom. <laughs> What? Because I'm generally hostile towards them. <laughs> Callbacks. I voted off Jay Lee's mom because I just wasn't picking up what she was putting down. Okay, I'm annoyed Wait, by who? her. The the hotel family, the the oh. eligible bachelor. I didn't like his mom. <laughs> That's all. She was in like one scene. <laughs> I didn't like her. <laughs> Sometimes I just get a feeling. <laughs> Maybe. One, three, two, three, one. Mr. Echo. Echo. We've never, have we ever picked the same? Yes, we picked Saeed at the same time one time. But he was su- he was the obvious MPB of this episode. He's their tracker. He protects Jin. He gives Sawyer that knife that he made. Was it made out of plain piece? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure he made it. Oh man, he's so cool. I almost said Saeed as a joke because he didn't appear in this episode. <laughs> yeah, he's not even in it. He knows when to take a step back, and that's why he's my MVP. <laughs> he knows when it's not about him. Okay, I had a couple of predictions. Okay, what's going to happen, do you think? <laughs> I just read the synopsis of the rest of the show. Um, I predict that Ana Lucia and Jack are going to butt heads as leaders. Yeah. I mean, How do you think gal. their leading styles differ? In every way? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that's going to be so fun. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have another Matthew Fox being like, you? (laughs) It just keeps happening to him. (laughs) My other prediction was because as soon as they mentioned Sawyer, the wedding ring turns up and Sawyer talked to Ana Lucia about marriage. So maybe Sawyer will end up married on this show (laughs) to Sun. Oh, God. Kate was really doing the most about this Sawyer shit. God. (sighs) All right, Caroline, I'm ready to talk about it. This episode is rated 7.9, putting it on our bottom episodes list. I kind of believe that. (laughs) Did did you like... I liked this episode. It's ranked at number 115. That's third from the bottom. Whoa. I mean, that's a travesty. And it is due to racism and you can't change my (laughs) mind. What else we got going on here? Oh, I um I do have a philosopher for today. Oh, and it's Jean-Jacques Rousseau from the 1700s. He was a Genevan philosopher who had great influence on political science and the socialistic movement. 
he's later credited in the conquest of Granada as promoting the idea of the noble savage, which contended that man in a natural and wild state is born innocent and pure until corrupted by society and civilization. Although Rousseau didn't actually come up with that idea. Society's negative influence on men in Rousseau's philosophy centers on its transformation of amour de soi, which is a positive self-love into this other thing that I can't pronounce. Amour de propre. Which is um, pride, basically. Amour de soi represents the instinctive human desire for self-preservation combined with the human power of reason. In contrast, is artificial (laughs) and forces man to compare himself to others, thus creating unwarranted fear and allowing men to take pleasure in the pain or weakness of others. Rousseau celebrates his drive to remain inquisitive about the natural world where he is residing, as well as the vacillations of the social world from which he feels outcast. We... (laughs) This is this is the part that I was furiously searching on the internet about. This is from Lost Pedia's Philosopher Phage, Phage, Fran Drescher. But I, I had to read more about this. Um, so we know Danielle Rousseau is still hoping to be reunited with her daughter. Mm-hmm. But um, Jean-Jacques Rousseau had five children with his lover, Therese, who eventually came to live with him to work as a servant. He persuaded what? this woman and her mother. He, like, was he married to someone else? No. He was just sleeping with the same woman and they were like poor. And he was like, okay, come live in my house so I can like support you. But instead of marrying you, you can both be my servant. Whoa. <laughs> That's kind of hot. So, <laughs> so they have five children together. And he persuaded her to give each of them up individually, like, (laughs) when they were born. So it's not as if they had five children and he was like, oh, we can't handle this or we can't afford this. Like, each one, she had a baby five times. He was like, you have to give it up to the foundling hospital, which is like an orphanage for abandoned children. Not children whose parents died. Just children that are not wanted. (laughs) The 18th century, man. What? Um... I looked into foundling hospitals and I discovered something incredible called a baby hatch. It's It's all coming full circle. It's a window where you can anonymously leave a baby, (gasps) usually in a hospital or a social center or a church. They exist in many countries, especially for some reason in Pakistan, where there are more than 300 and Germany, where there are about 100. Like, whoa, those two countries are really into like. Being able to safely and anonymously. Dude, I guess so. Like, yeah, without like penalizing yeah. her. I mean, that's that's more safe. It's like sad. Yeah. Like viscerally very sad. Yeah. But like that does make a lot more sense than. I think yeah. there's some kind of law that like they'll keep them at the foundling hospital. I'm a girl, foundling hospitals anymore, but they'll keep them at these facilities for eight weeks and you can um, change your mind within that eight week time and with no like legal penalties, you can come get the baby again. Wow. Um, and then after eight weeks, they would be like put up for adoption. Um, the Italian name for, for this translates to life cradle. In Japanese, it's baby post box. <laughs> In Chinese, it's Baby Safety Island. Whoa! I want to go to Baby Safety Island on my next vacation. (laughs) And in Polish, it's Window of Life. 
Um, back to Rousseau. After <laughs> facing great criticism in Switzerland, Rousseau took refuge with fellow philosopher David Hume in Great Britain. And I found out that Desmond is named after David Hume. Mm. Later, however, he began to see hallucinations and become extremely paranoid, suspecting conspiracies involving, uh, quote, plots against him involving Hume and others. Wait, you're... Oh, okay. So... Oh. So, yeah. So a very few of these things, like... Yeah, a few of these things could relate to, to our gal, huh. Danielle. Is that it for Rousseau? Yeah. My favorite thing about Rousseau is that he was the one... Who said, like, who said the, let them eat the cake. Let them eat the cake. <laughs> he, yeah. I mean, he didn't say it. He said it um, in his, you know, in his, uh, in book six of <laughs> Rousseau's Confessions. Um, so this was written when Marie Antoinette was, like, still a princess in Austria. So, like, there's no way that this could be associated with her. Right. Um. But he wrote, uh, at length I remembered the last resort of a great princess who, when told that the peasants had no bread, replied, then let them eat brioche. So the, the he does not name who this princess, who this princess is, and it, in confessions is not considered factual. Mm-hmm. So like, it was just an anecdote just to be like, oh, rich people are so fucking dumb. Yeah. But like. People were just, people wanted to slander Marie Antoinette. She was definitely out of touch, but, like, she never would have said anything fucking like that. But, like, she goes down in history as, like, this oh, callous monster. I thought monster. she said something similar to that, but it wasn't that. No, there there have been, like, people that have tried to defend it by saying, like, um, that she did say it, but it was, um... But it was, like, because it was a different kind of bread that used less flour or something. It was, like... Okay. But she still never said that. I will fight tooth and nail for Marie Antoinette. I am a huge stan. She... She did her job. She did what was asked of her very well. Hmm. And it was not her job to implement societal change and actually when she did see orphans living on the street she would like fund their education and stuff like she was a very caring person she just like was kind of out of touch and super privileged and was not able to implement actual change with it Mm -hmm. but like fucking louis the 16th he was the doofus who really failed his whole style of leading i mean granted like He was 17 when he took the throne, but he was, like, his whole style was just being, like, oh, does that, yeah, you think that's a good idea? Okay, great. And then, like, someone else will tell him something else, like, oh, yeah, okay, well, then, yeah, do that (laughs) too. Exactly. And he, he goes down in history as, like, kind of a doof, but, like, a nice enough guy. But she goes down as, like, sexual deviant, total monster. And it was all because she was Austrian, because it was after some some war. Yeah. Um, and so the people, like, automatically, like, wanted to hate her. And they would take any excuse to fucking hate her. Cool. I will take any excuse to talk about Marie Antoinette. I'm into that. I'm realizing that I know nothing about her. 
Oh my God. She's fascinating. She also like, I feel she was like the first Instagram mom. She like had this, (laughs) (laughs) she like had this little Hamlet that she had made where she would go and like dress in like peasant clothes and like make butter with her friends. And it was like something that she did like with her kids for fun. But, like, honestly, like, wouldn't you do that shit? Yes. She was living in Versailles. First of all, she came to Versailles when she was, like, 14. So she came from Austria. Her name was Maria Antonia, I believe. And she came with all her, like, servant friends, (laughs) like, all of her ladies-in-waiting, her little dog mops, all of her clothes. And then she arrives in in, at Versailles, and they're like, mm-hmm. No, we're going to send your dog and your friends all back. Send your clothes back. We'll give you new clothes. Also, like, we don't like your name. We're going to call you Marie Antoinette now. Is that okay? And she's, like, 14. And she's like, "Mm okay. And so she lives in this palace where, like... With nothing familiar. Nothing familiar. She has no friends. um, But, like, she's on the hot seat because, like, she's the new princess. And she's from Austria. Oh, God. R.I.P. Marie Antoinette. (laughs) It's been a long day. R.I.P. R.I.P. Guy with spear through him. What's his name? Godwin. Goodwin. Goodwin, R.I.P. Speaking of McCall's Magazine. Oh! <laughs> this section of the 129 Ways to Get a Husband is called How to Land Him. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> Number one, ask his mother for her recipes. That's nice, I That's guess. Wait, are they weird. saying That's because... forced, in my are, opinion. Are they saying because you, like, appreciate her opinions, which I do agree with? You look her in the eyes and you say, I'm the mommy now. Yeah. Or are they saying like, your man's going to want his mommy's cooking. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want that. (laughs) Number two, ask your parents to disappear when you're entertaining. (laughs) Disappear. Choice of word. Incredible. Number three, buy his sister's children an occasional present. So if he's not an uncle, you're fucked. (laughs) Why specifically his sister? <laughs> what if he's an only child? <laughs> he can't get married. <laughs> Number four, don't let your parents treat him like a potential husband. I guess that might be weird. Oh, yeah. I, okay. If they're acting all like, Ooh. Don't talk about how many children you want. I mean, at some point. Yeah, you're going you to talk about it. Number six, don't tell him everything about yourself at the start. Hold something in reserve. I suppose. Like, no one wants to go on a first date and, like, listen to someone's entire life story. (laughs) 1983. (laughs) Number seven, double date with a gay, happily married couple. Let him see what it's like. (laughs) With a couple gays. Yeah. (laughs) Double date with a gay couple. Number eight, if he's a fisherman, learn to scale and clean fish. Absolutely not. Okay. I've seen it many a time, and it smells just like you would expect. <laughs> Number nine, on the first date, tell him you aren't thinking of getting married. 
Why? Like, you don't have to bring it up. You don't have to say yes or no. Yeah, so anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Number 10, send his mother a birthday card. That's a real me move, to be honest. Yeah. And it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Number 11, show him you can have fun on a cheap date, but don't overdo it, exclamation point. On the fun? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do not. Number 12, talk to his father about business and agree that taxes are too high. Oh, (laughs) my God. What if... You know how dads love talking about taxes. I love to imagine that, like, that he didn't bring up taxes and that's the only, like, talking point that you prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Lastly, tell his friends nice things about him. And that's... That's, like, next level. Like, Ooh, I guess, like, is the idea that they would then tell I him. guess. <laughs> Dude, she wouldn't stop freaking talking about you. <laughs> she made me agree that you have pretty eyes. <laughs> <laughs> She's obsessed with you, man. <laughs> well, that was illuminating. Um, <sighs> Goddamn. I think this is one of the best episodes of Lost. I'm wow. upset. That you and the feel? people rated at 7.9. I know. I mean, I, I of course, loved it. I also love ep- every episode of Lost. <laughs> There's not an episode where I'm like, ugh. Even the moth. I still loved the moth. Really Even though it was arguably the worst episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I have a couple loose ends that we keep forgetting to tie up. We. Okay. <laughs> You, why haven't that you been reading my notes? Forgetting to tie up. <laughs> I read more about Portland Dorset and the bunny superstition <gasps> on their Wikipedia page. The origin of this superstition is obscure. There is no record of it before the 1920s. Oh my god. But it is believed to derive from quarry workers, like you said. They would see rabbits emerging from their burrows immediately before a rock fall and blame them for increasing the risk of dangerous, sometimes deadly landslides. Whoa. But doesn't it seem like the rabbits were like sensing the rumbling or hearing something and then coming yeah. out so they wouldn't it's not get crushed? Their it's not, like, they're not witches, okay? <laughs> If a rabbit was seen in a quarry, the workers would go home for the day until the safety of the area had been assured. I mean, okay. Correlation. Yeah, like, that makes sense of how that happened, but, like, it's not their fault. Those bunnies. Today, older Portland residents are offended, sometimes for the benefit of tourists, by the mention of rabbits. Oh. That's so pure. So it's a gag. Yeah. Lostpedia said that Locke met Helen in a support group, so they didn't say anything about alcohol for what it's worth. Starting in season two, episode one, Man of Science, Man of Faith, the castaways start abandoning the caves, which the producers considered a location hard to film and, quote, not aesthetically good. So I disagree with that. Yeah, they're insane. I looked. That's what Wikipedia hard to film, maybe, but. Um, also reading this page, I learned that the Swan Station was designed to invoke modernism of the 1970s, similar to how Disneyland's Tomorrowland mm. evokes what was modern in the 1960s. Okay. So it was like, yeah, it's supposed to look like as if the DeGroots were like, look at this. Everything's state of the art. John, do you know what this box does? <laughs> Listen, box man. <laughs> oh, I miss him. Um, no, I can't wait for him to run back up with his little pail. 
We were trying to remember um, the centaur from Harry Potter, oh. and his name is Ferenz. And <laughs> lastly, <laughs> to clarify from last time, because, I don't know, I think we misspoke in the episode, but Wallace and Gromit is claymation animation, which is one type of stop motion. I like to think of that one person who was just like, <laughs> they're wrong. Sharpening a knife while <laughs> listening to this podcast. And now in this episode, they've put it down. <laughs> Trivia. Lostpedia pointed out that in the last episode, Sawyer said he wouldn't go anywhere until he knew where his friends were. Michael then appeared and said, so now we're your friends. In this episode, when Libby asks Michael about his friends, Michael comments that Jin is his friend, but Sawyer isn't. Yeah. Give it a rest. so high school. Petty hurts not over friend. here. <laughs> Sawyer calls Jin Chewy. Stop. You say Petty Hurst? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go on. I just I wanted wish, to call it out. I wish they would stop comparing Jin to Chewbacca just because he doesn't speak yeah. English. Jean doesn't even sound like that. <laughs> this episode introduces a new musical theme for Sun and Jin, which replaces their earlier theme. Oh. That's interesting. I wish I knew what their earlier theme sounded yeah. like. And also a motif for the other. It's just the theme from Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, no. When I was looking on IMDb for my VOTI MVP, I recognized Kimberly Joseph, who is the flirty flight attendant who gave mm. Jack all that booze. And I was like, why is she credited in this episode? It turns out her name is Cindy and she's the other woman in Analysia's crew who didn't have any lines. No way. So a flight attendant lived. Yeah. Oh my God. What if she has more alcohol bottles? I hope so. <laughs> she clutched them to her in that plane crash. I'm so happy to see her. I think she was my MVP in that episode. Yeah, that's true. She was. I'm honestly obsessed with this tail crew. I love Ana Lucia. Mm -hmm. You got sweet mouth Bernard. You got <laughs> flirty Cindy and you got... You have Mr. Echo. Mr. Echo, whatever his name is. Um, yeah, okay. they really are a great crew. Fuck our crew. Libby... She's Libby, the jury's still out on. Well, she pulled that shit. She last did pull time. that shit. The last thing I have for today is a little actor spotlight. <laughs> Here's my introduction video so you can figure out who it is. Okay. They're on. A James Corden. Oh, Sir what James what, Corden. Happened in this? What, what happened? Who did you play? Well, I played what I normally played as a teenager. Um, I sort of built my career and, and made my rent every month on playing like rape victims of some kind or, you know, like a, a gang rape, uh, attack. Let's not get too bogged down. Um, <laughs> let's let's then, not like, get too bogged down in the now, particular I, type I, of rape. Let's, you know, I think we all know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, let's, yeah. No, um, and, and now I feel like my career is so much broader. I'm, just, I'm known for playing. She looks incredible. Women that get abducted. Yes. Oh, yes. It's more complex now. What is it about you, yes. you think, that makes you walk into a casting scenario and people go, I want to kidnap her? <laughs> Maybe it's like imperiled virgin. Yeah. Across my floor. We're looking for a kidnappable face. <laughs> That's what we're looking cancel, for. Cancel, cancel, cancel. <laughs> Okay, she rules. The queen. <laughs> Margaret Grace Denig was born and raised in Ohio. I think Worthington. 
She has English, German, and Northern Irish ancestry. She has two younger siblings, Marissa and Ian, interestingly. Ooh. Would you date someone named Dustin or Crystal? Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) (laughs) Do people have a problem with that? Because that's... um, Yeah, some people do. They need to relax. Some people have a problem with dating their people that um, have the same names as their parents. But I'm like, okay, unless you call your parents by your first name, by their first name. Yeah. Anna's something such to a think about. Name. Hey, <laughs> everybody email us and tell us if you would date some, if you would date your mom. <laughs> Lost is listed second under her known for section on IMDb, only surpassed by Taken, in which she plays the titular role. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> she plays Liam Neeson's daughter. Besides those two, under known for is her 10 episode arc in Californication. And Fear the Walking Dead, which she's been starring in for the last three years. Ooh! Okay. She's been married for four years to Brent Bushnell. That's a made-up name. Listen to what his Twitter bio says, because I was trying to figure out, like, who who he is, like, what his occupation is. It says, engineer slash entrepreneur, co-founder of 2-Bit Circus in Los Angeles. So then I went to 2-Bit Circus uh, Twitter page, and that says... Arcade, VR, food, bar, unique immersive shows, live acts. What? It's like a tiny VR carnival or something. I don't know. There's a ton of articles about it online. He's chairman of the 2-Bit Circus Foundation, which is a nonprofit educational organization designed to cultivate the next generation of inventors, advance environmental stewardship, and spur community engagement. He's an Edmund Hillary fellow. And the last thing in Brent's bio says, building hybrid play in micro amusement parks. So um, okay, this guy's really beyond my <laughs> comprehension. She had her first child in October of last year. So she had a pandemic baby. Too bad for her. <laughs> now for some fun facts. You tell me how fun you think these are, Caroline. I better have fun. <laughs> She's number 44 in FHM's Hottest Women in the World 2005. So right right about now on Lost. Variety named her one of their top 10 actors to watch in 2009. I watched her episode of SVU last (gasps) night. Oh. Take a listen to this. Weeks ago, I go to pick my car up from the valet and this guy just jumps in. I think he's a carjacker. All he does is take my picture and run off. What do you look like? He looks like a big flash going off in my face. Tell the police? Yeah, they wrote down a bunch of crap and then asked for my autograph. So she plays like a teen (gasps) TV star. That's what James Corden was referring to, actually, where he was like, what's happening in this? And she was like, oh, another rape victim. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, It's season six, episode three, Obscene. And wouldn't you know, the perpetrator is one of my celebrity crushes. Oh. Phil of the future himself. <laughs> Revive Ullman. I got another Oh, one. I have to watch that episode. I'm sure you hate me. Shut up. You don't get to defend yourself. Classic as we oh. Here's Maggie's best line. Breaking into my trailer and stealing my panties. 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 Uh, she's in one of my favorite movies, Night and Day. What's that? She plays Cameron Diaz's sister who's getting married. So that's why Cameron has to wear that yellow bridesmaid's dress everywhere. 
for a good chunk of the movie. She's in Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Parts 1 and 2. Wait, what? Who oh, knew? is she one of the fucking... She's one of the... the council of... Denali family. I- Irina Denali? Irina? <laughs> I don't know. Denali clan. I'm just thinking of Denali from this season of Drag Race. Yeah. She Shout out her. to Denali. The cat she found on the set of Lost is named Rue. That was in her trivia on IMDb, so I guess she got to keep the feral jungle cat in their breakup. Oh. Good for you, Maggie. Here we go, Caroline. So she won the breakup. Here's the most important part. She was nominated for Teen Choice in 2005 for Lost. Oh Here God. are some of the other teen nominees from that year. In the category Choice TV Breakout Performance Male, the nominees included Jorge Garcia, Josh Holloway, and the king of teens himself, Ian Sutherland. Years before he became... King of teens. This was years before Vampire Diaries, so he already... Oh, wow. He wasn't he the was darling of teen the choice teen yet. Evangeline Lilly was nominated in three categories, including Choice TV Chemistry with Matthew Fox. Jorge Garcia was nominated for Choice TV Sidekick. Excuse you. All right. And last but not least, Ty Pennington <gasps> was nominated for Tiger? Choice... Choice male TV personality, Tiger himself. I mean, that's good. We need to know. While I was on her IMDb, I saw an article from this month titled The Fog 2 Talks Have Happened. John Carpenter is open to the idea. Oh. So that's the latest Maggie Grace news. Okay. If you're into the fog. And uh, the last fun fact is. She was nicknamed by some co-star at some point. Um, they nicknamed her Maggie Graceless due to her clumsy oh, is she nature. Clumsy? Oh, that's humanizing. <laughs> She's a human too. She's hot and clumsy. God. Impossible. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Teen Choice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Teen Choice. Thank you, Caroline. <laughs> I why are we not nominated? <laughs> We've been snubbed yet again by the Teen Choice Awards. Yeah, that's all I hope that comes out of this podcast is at least a nomination. For... Is there a podcast segment for Teen Choice Awards? I don't know if teens listen to podcasts. If you're a teen, <laughs> fuck yeah. off. Any teens listening to this ah! podcast? Follow us on Twitter to um, check out some Maggie Grace content. Oh, okay. Also, um, word on the street is you can hear the radiator in our, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's another, it's a featured player. Friend, radiator. <laughs> Maggie texted me and asked if uh, our radiator is loud. And I said, you had to ask? I'm talking about Maggie Grace, by the way. <laughs> okay. Follow us on Instagram at YouLostMePod, Twitter at YouLostMePod, email us at YouLostMePod at gmail.com. It was good nice to see you. Bye.